Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. People are killing themselves because of it, right? People are having heart attacks, health conditions because of the stress level and because they keep this within them and they kept that within them for such a long time. But what I'm so happy to see is that people are coming out, they're owning what, what's going on and they're taking a stand. I love the fact that people are also saying, you know what, I need this paycheck, but I'm gonna get my butt out of this organization because my life matters more. My children matter more, uh, matters more. Um, and that's what I love. And I think this like, what I'm also finding is black people, are sh we're sharing with each other. We're like, oh, hold on now. Here's what I'm experiencing. Beware before you're going there. Okay. They told you this, they told you that they're working on this, but here's what's really happening. You know? And I think, I think there's a level of power in that. How you day? How you day? That was the voice of Netta Jenkins, and this episode is all about DEI, baby. DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. I'm also going to add belonging and accessibility to that because a lot of what we need to create in today's world is creating more access and improving our world in such a way that more people feel like they belong. Netta's journey towards DEI and uh, belonging and accessibility has been one that I've followed for a few months now. And over the pandemic, I really got to know why she's passionate about the company she's building and how she got there. And I think it's one that you're going to love hearing about. But I also think it's going to be a great reminder for any of you listening, whether you work with companies or whether you work individually, to understand the importance of feeling seen, heard, and understood. This is one of those episodes. So get your pens, get your pencils, get your digital fingers ready before we get to the episode some housekeeping items just want to remind you those reviews matter and thank you for those that left reviews last week i really really appreciate it thank you so much also in the middle of the episode you're going to hear an ad about my collective which is a collective for diversity equity inclusion belonging accessibility and anti-racism it's a bunch of resources that that you can take at a self-guided pace or you can take with people that you love or people that you want to learn with be on the lookout for that it's also going to be in the show notes. And those are all the housekeeping items. For now, 
enjoy the episode welcome everybody to another episode of as told by nomads and today's guest is netta jenkins now netta is a leading voice in the diversity equity and inclusion and forbes named her one of the top seven anti-racism educators of the world that's right She's an acclaimed author with a deep background in communications, leadership, and behavioral psychology. Netta has been advising corporations on the most effective strategies to address systemic gaps in the workplace and the path to change. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Well, the pleasure is mine. So you, you, you're definitely DEI <laughs> focused, <laughs> but what, what, what is your background? What led you to the, to the field? Why did you feel like you wanted to tackle, you know, systemic oppression and systemic racism? Yeah, oh my gosh, such a good question. Thank you for asking that. Um, so both of my parents are from Liberia. Uh, they came to the States in the 80s. And um, we grew up in a predominantly white community. And we experienced, unfortunately, a lot of racism. In fact, when I was seven years old, um, a white woman walked up to my mother in our yard and spit in her face and said, Blacks don't belong in my neighborhood. And that was a rude awakening for me. Um, my mom just kind of turned around and walked away, didn't do anything, didn't retaliate or anything like that. And I was really upset. I was always very vocal as a young person, but within those moments, I was silent. Um, and that that level of silence, especially as you can imagine, right? Like if it's your family member, your mother, your dad, you want to fight for those people. I didn't do anything. And so that stuck with me. That really, really stuck with me, that level of guilt. Um, and then fast forward, I, you know, went off to middle school and faced some racism there. There was a young white boy that said, um, I heard your family is from Africa. Let me see how far and fast you can climb up this tree. <laughs> and that that was really the breaking point for me. I remember going home that day. I cried to my mom and my mom said something so striking. She said, Netta, I didn't bring you in this world to cry about things. Um, I brought I brought you in this world to you know create change. And I remember looking at her thinking like, is this African lady crazy? <laughs> what, <is> she, <laughs> what does she think I'm Martin Luther King? <laughs> like what? Uh. Um, but in fact, what I realize now as an adult is that my mom was telling me that I had all the power and all the control in the world to do whatever I needed to do to create that change and to not allow anyone to think, um, to shift my mindset, to think different. And that was such a powerful piece. And honestly, one of the reasons why I do the work that I did today, even you know, once I went off to high school, I started doing that work. Um, I became president of the freshman class and I started to challenge curriculum, the curriculum that was being taught, challenging teachers. And, um, you know, it, it, it was the start to something, something amazing. And I loved fighting for people from underrepresented groups, um, specifically, um, you know, Black people with, with the things that the disparities that have went on, the injustices, um, at a very young age. So before DEI became kind of this corporate <laughs> popular trend now, it was something that I was always invested in and continue to do. I, I, I you know, those stories are, are so relatable to me because, you know, yeah. that's what I was growing up. I used to have that 
internal battle guilt as you described yeah just figuring out should i voice an opinion now or why didn't i say something right you know that that mm -hmm. internal uh decision that many of us have to go through and i don't think many people you know get that many people outside of the experience will understand that because yeah. you know seemingly yes now with the the the, the, the status or, or that we've gained you say wow how dare yeah. you say that right you, you say that yeah. but in that moment, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm always wondering, wait, if I say something now, am I going to add to the stereotype or am yeah. I going to, uh, you know, lose myself in such a way where I make it worse? And then I'm like, ah, you know, it's almost oh, yeah. a self-preservation thing, which is a little yeah. bit, you know, I don't know, can add to the guilt in and of itself. No, you you are so spot on with that as we talk about guilt, because someone asked me the other day, Netta. What, but what really is it that drives you to do the work that you do? You know, a lot of people see my LinkedIn posts <laughs> and I have over like 55,000 followers now. And they're like, well, you, you're not afraid to say the things that people are afraid to say. Mm. And I thought deeply about it. And I said, oh my goodness, it's it stems from that little girl. When I was seven years old, it is that level of guilt that allows me to propel and to fight for people. Wow. Um, because I was silent then, but I promised myself that I'd never be silent again. Yeah, similar. I I can relate. I can relate. I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I always say my anger fuels me, but it's I've been angry. I'm an angry optimist, is what I was. <laughs> an angry optimist. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but so let let's now. So then you 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 know you start to get more self aware. And, you know, you're going to school and you're you're determining what your career path is going to be. How did you become a DEI executive? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and you probably are familiar with this too in the African community, <laughs> you being Nigerian, the African community kind of have like three things you can do. Yep. Doctor, lawyer, engineer. And so for a long time, I was on the path to become an attorney. And I, and I quickly noticed like, hey, that's, that's not what I want to do. It's what my parents want me to do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it was when I was in college, I started to see even more of the disparities, again, within the things that were being taught, um, the microaggressions that, that were transpiring as well, the lack of representation. I, was, I would always kind of question that. And then I got into corporate America and, um, and I got in and I was recruiting at first. <clears throat> And then I quickly, again, started to notice this, the same things. And I remember, you know, speaking to the head of HR and speaking to the CEO. And I'm like, listen, I have a plan. <laughs> I see, I see what's happening. And, um, but I have a plan, right? And, and if you allow me, I can create something that, that is striking and that can um, help all employees, but also help the, the entire organization, right? And I think, it, and it stems with education and knowledge of what's happening in the, the silence that, that's transpiring. Um, and it was a no-brainer really for the head of HR and the CEO. And it was funny because I was very vocal in saying, well, I, wanna re I need to report to the CEO as well. <laughs> I, need to, I need to have constant communication with this person and I need to have that level of buy-in. So that's really how it, it started you know, it was kind of like from the ground up. Um, and again, it stemmed from unapolog unapologetically and 
um, not not being fearful to to say what needs to happen in order for things to happen. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, no, but I, I think you brought up a few things there. The uh, the proximity to leadership is important in order to, in order to get these opinions out there. But also, leadership has to be involved in anything that that is that involves dismantling that system of oppression within a, I don't know, an, a, an environment, uh, you know, an ecosystem, whether it's the education system or the, you know, the workplace system. And if there isn't that commitment, um, I guess the barrier is still evident. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and that's the thing, like, right, we see across the board um, within a lot of organizations you know, the head of DEI, they're, they're not reporting to the CEO or COO. They still mm -hmm. have folks reporting to HR. Yes. And let's, let's be frank about it. When people think, or even hear HR, they, they don't feel like HR is there for them. No, <laughs> that's just, you know, that's just what, what everyone thinks. And so that is a roadblock in itself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That eliminates people from really connecting with that person. But then it's like the the, the, the level of buy-in is is missing. And it's unfortunate to see. And I hope a lot of organizations start to understand that there has to be um, C-suite has to be involved. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, let's talk about blackness. Yeah. <laughs> Black is king. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Black is king, queen and royalty. I, but, but it's, um, yeah. you, you know, you have this amazing company, Dipper. That is, that is, that is uh, they we're going to discuss now, but you know, the year we've had the last few years, it, there's been a, a movement within the black community on a global level. And there's also been a rise in a lot of the anti-blackness you as a, you know, as a practitioner in the field, as someone who has experienced many of the things that many people are maybe just now getting awakened to, how have you felt observing every single thing, the movements, the performative actions, uh, the real actions, any of these things, how have you felt throughout the whole time? Oh my gosh, the performative actions make me laugh because <laughs> <laughs> they really make me, I can't even get mad, right? Because I think companies have been performing for a while. Mm -hmm. um, it's all a performance, right? You, you didn't have representation before, now you want to put up numbers and you still don't have the representation. Um, but you have a statement, an empty statement. <laughs> um, so I, I laugh at that. I can't be mad. However, um, I love the movement in where Black people specifically are not afraid to share. For a long time, we were very afraid to share our workplace experience. We would hide them. That is how come you look at research uh, microaggressions are linked to suicide, right? People are, uh, specifically black and brown people are killing themselves because of it, right? People are having heart attacks, health conditions because of the stress level and because they keep this within them and they kept that within them for such a long time. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. 
Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. But what I'm so happy to see is that people are coming out. They're owning what's going on and they're taking a stand. I love the fact that people are also saying, you know what, I need this paycheck, but I'm gonna get my butt out of this organization because my life matters more. My children matter more, uh, matters more. Um, And that's what I love. And I think this like, what I'm also finding is black people are sharing, we're sharing with each other. We're like, hold on now, here's what I'm experiencing, beware before you're going there. Okay, they told you this, they told you that they're working on this, but here's what's really happening. You know, and I think I think there's a level of power in that. Just wanted to stop by here before we get back to the episode. I wanted to let you all know that I do have a collective for people who are interested in developing their cultural competency skills, becoming more anti-racist, and it's a resource of things that you can do with your family, with your school, with yourself to work through your individual journey to become a better culturally competent leader. It's called UID Collective and the link is in the show notes, but it's a mix of courses. It's a mix of resources, things you can download. And all you need to do is sign up as a member. It's a monthly membership. I'd love for you to check it out. Use it with your friends, use it with your family, use it with yourself. Okay, the link is in the show notes. It's called UID Collective, and it's for those of you that want to improve your cultural competency skills. Back to the episode. And that's what Dipper's about, right? Hello. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. Yes. <laughs> so so tell us what Dipper is. Tell us how why it's yes. why it's it's in the movement, it's in the zeitgeist. What, what is what is Dipper? Yeah, so Dipper guides professionals of color to a better workplace, one review at a time, whether good bad or indifferent. And again, it's really that collective power. It's an opportunity for black and brown people to share what their workplace um, experiences are and for us all to be better informed. So we know the organizations that we should not be at. I don't care what DEI commitments they have listed, right? Or 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 Black Lives Matter statement. It's like, ah, no, no, no. We, we know about you. There's fifth, there's there's you know the few black people that you have in your organization are all attesting to the, the same thing. Um, and and then we know the organizations that we should be at. Like, okay, you. You spoke, you have this Black Lives Matter statement, you have these DEI commitments company, and yes, you are working at it. And yes, you know what else this company is doing? They are not keeping uh, an executive or, or a leader that maybe is perpetuating discrimination or microaggression simply because that person is adding to the bottom line. Um, that They're not tolerating it. That person has to go. So they are taking serious actions. And I think those those are the the companies that we should be at. And someone asked me the other day, but Netta, like, you know, we just need to start our own businesses. And I said, listen, the reality of it is not everyone's going to have their own business. Not every black or brown person's going to have their own business. 
right? And when we even look at venture capital, <laughs> Black women receive 0.2% in VC. Mm. Latinx women receive 0.1%. So when we start looking at those numbers and we think about it, people that are creating their own organizations, they're bootstrapping. They're utilizing their own money. They're working full-time somewhere else. They're trying to make all these things um, meet. And they don't have the, the venture capital that, that's coming through, you know, like others do. And so, um, so the reality of it is some people will still be in organizations. And if they are, they should be at organizations that are going to value them, that are going to allow them to grow um, and, and be successful. I agree. No, I agree. But you, you're doing it, though, because I do hear the I hear those statements. You no, know, we should start mm -hmm. on. And there are people that are definitely leading the, the charge in that. Um, but I, th I don't think you, you, you know, they're mutually exclusive, I guess, is my point. You, you can continue to dismantle those systems of oppression and, and add more seats to the table while also, you know, creating and, and expanding the the black owned businesses ecosystem, at least. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think, I think there's definitely a lot, a lot that can happen, you know, but I think, you know, when I go back to it, and I even think about legacy, right, I think about my children, they may be business owners, right, right. And which is great. But they may be working at someone else's company, too. And if that's that's, and I don't and either path is fine. But if, if they are working in someone else's company or anyone is working in someone else's company, there should be that level of respect and value. I there see. should be at the very least an opportunity for folks to grow. Yeah. And that's the thing, when we, when we think about it, uh, black and brown people um, are being oppressed within organizations. And that's the reason why we see there is such a significant gap, even in black and brown people being at the C-suite level. Yeah. yeah, that is people don't, it's unfortunate, people don't like to call it what it is, but that's white supremacy. I don't disagree with you. That is oppression. That's what you call oppression. That's modern day oppression. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because and there are qualified individuals out there that can be um in 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 those seats and and i think the other thing too is like we use the word seats but it has to be more than just a seat people have to have a voice as well and i think even sometimes individuals black and brown people that do have seats at the table have to still be they are still being silenced because they are because they are outnumbered so imagine if you're the only one at the table and you try to say something different, everyone's going to look at you like, what? You don't have a place. Hmm. Like, who are you? So like the whole dynamic is, um, is messed up. Yeah. But you, you're a big, uh, you're a big proponent of ownership because I also see that you're, um, you're an advisory board member for Betterment. Yeah. Which I, I actually use. And so, awesome. yeah, I, I'm using that <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but the reason why I said ownership there is, you, you know, in, in, in a lot of the communities, a lot of the things that I, I feel like have been stripped away from us in the education systems, that financial literacy and financial, you know, education and just understanding the power that we have with our dollars. Yeah, absolutely. So it's good to see you actually living it out, too. It's not just that you, you, you advise and you, you're but you're also a practitioner, you're a proponent and you live the mission that you 
uh, you preach as well. Thank, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And education is so important. That's what can I say? Sharing, sharing is, um, is impactful. You know, mm -hmm. the more we can begin to educate each other, even from a financial perspective, the stronger as a community will be and continue to grow. Yeah. And it, it comes, it goes back to that collective power. Yes, the collective power. Oh my yeah. goodness. And the collective power is is what is going to fuel Dipper, your company, because people are going to be collectively able to say, this is good. This is not good. This is bad. This is average. This yeah. is not as advertised. And yeah. I, I got to ask you, what does your drive come from? You're an executive at a company right now. And then you're your co-founder of this company, which is really getting a lot of rave reviews. How do you yeah. find the time and how do you find the drive to do all these things while being a mother? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's, you see, all these other questions were really good. This one is a hard one. Um, you know what? Honestly, I, so I am religious and yeah. I believe in God and it's through God's power. You know, it's, it's truly through God's power, him moving in me, um, for me to actually be able to do a lot of these things. Cause uh, people ask me a lot of the times and, and I try to give an answer and I'm like, no, it's not even me. It's beyond me. It's beyond me. Um, but I, I will say in terms of motivation, I think about my children, I have a nine month old and I have a 21 month old and an eight year old. And when I think oh about that, I know, like, <laughs> I'm like, damn, I have all the three of them, but like, when I think about them, um, it gives me the motivation, the drive to continue. Um, and that's something I see, it's so much bigger than me. And, when, and even when I think beyond them, I think about my community, that gives me drive and energy as well, because I love, I love my people so much. I love, I love my people so much. And I wanna see us as a community do really well and be happy <laughs> and maintain our peace and maintain our joy, you know, as we impact other people, you know, and I, and I want that, I want that for, for other individuals as well, from different demographics, you know? Um, so those are some of the things that really um, push me, you know, someone asked me the other day as well, um, what is the one thing you need in order to be like really successful at DEI and anti-racism and all the things that you're, you know, that both you and I focus on. I said, at its core, you have to love people. Yeah. You really have to love, and I mean every single person you come in contact, there has to be a level of love in order for you to even have the patience to continue teaching. Yeah. Yeah. So. No. That's well said. You you brought up DEI and anti-racism there. Can you distinguish between the two? I know you get asked that often, but I want people to understand the difference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, in a nutshell, um, when I think of DEI, I think of it more along the lines of how can we think of um, equity? And that's what I kind of take from there. Equity yeah. is about opportunity and access. So it's really about thinking about how, how are we able to provide opportunity and access for specifically underrepresented people? Right, and that's the educational piece of it. When I think of anti-racism, that's really digging into the components of anti-blackness, <laughs> anti-Asian. You know what I mean? Like those, the yeah, these deep-rooted systemic 
oppressive issues. And it, it's also linked to DEI as well. But but there is, you know, when I when I do talk about anti-racism, I, I do focus more on the background, the foundational background and, and how things thrive off of white supremacy and what yeah. that means. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the the a lot of times people will approach racism from an individual lens and not the uh, the, the idea of, of how it's embedded in the systems. You know, it's oh embedded. yeah, it's it's systemic, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. you know, I, I I'm sure you got this too. Many people say I have X, you know, black friends. I haven't done this. I've never said that word. Why right. why are you coming to me? Should I be guilty because I'm this? And, and then, you know, when you have the conversation and I always say this, I said, just because you're bad, just because you're not a bad person doesn't mean you're not participating in a bad system. Uh-huh. I said, oh, yeah. Spot and, on. <laughs> and then I'm saying, well, have you done anything to fix the curriculum in your school? Did you know any other, uh, uh, you know, do you know all the other activists beyond Martin Luther King or Malcolm X? <laughs> Any many Asian activists? What about the First Nation people or Native Americans? Can you tell me about their history? Tell me more about it. You know, so it's and it's not even saying it because I might know it. It's more I'm saying you know more about you know yeah white history than the other history of the same uh, people that can call themselves Americans. Exactly. So and you, you're spot on with that. It's the question of do you know more and do you want to know more? Right. There's yeah. that level of want. If you don't want to, well, then you're adding to it. That's right. And that's white supremacy in itself. Yeah. <laughs> that that comfort that 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 you that know, silence. That, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, but I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I get. It. I've heard that so many times. Um, but you know, it's it's it, it, it's an interesting time. I, yeah. I I'm uh I'm, I'm really excited for the movement. I'm excited for you though. I'm excited that people are going to be able to. To actually interact yeah. with your platform. I, I know when this comes out, this is probably going to come out, I, I don't know, I'm guessing April, but it'll be around, it'll be around yeah. the same time. Um, how are you hoping people can interact? Where can people sign up? Where can people, you know, share yeah. your platform with others? Absolutely. So you can go to www.ourdipper.com. Okay. That's O-U-R-D-I-P-P-E-R.com. Yes. All right. Make sure I wow. put that in the show notes. I absolutely will make sure I put yes. that in the show notes. Before we go, the last question I have is my mission statement reframed as a question, which is use your difference to make a difference. So, Netta, yes. how do you use your difference to make a difference? How do I use my difference to make a difference? You know what? I continue doing the work that I do. <laughs> I continue to educate. And when I educate, I, I ask people, okay, now that I've taught you this, your task is to teach someone else. Ah, so let's, let's pay it forward. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Really into legacy, I see. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, legacy is everything. We see that historically. That's what it's always been. And I think if we could tap into that, that would yeah. be impactful. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Oh, the pleasure is mine and Kings, Queens, Royalty. Till next time. Yes. The difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com.
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.